Amen. God is good this morning. It's good to see all of you out here. Um, I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. He's yet to do. You know, we trust Him. We keep our eyes upon Him. And if we do that, we'll walk on water. Uh, and the water represents the impossibilities. Uh, th you know, wh what did Jesus say? And you know, He says, without me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can accomplish everything that is set before you. He said, I am the vine, any of the branches, unless ye be grafted in. Amen. In other words, connected in with him so that the nutrients of the vine pours into the branch. He said, then that branch will bear forth fruit. And the, he said, my father is the husbandman. And the word husbandman there means he's the gardener. And as a gardener, he prunes the tree. He prunes the vine that he may take off all that is, that is taken from the vine but is not producing. Uh, because if you, you know, if you do that with some flowers, I'm not a horticulturist or by any means, but they say if you cut off the stuff that's not flowering that you can actually cause the plant to do better because then it can focus. You know, and that's what God does with us. Uh, you know, it, when we think, well, the Lord cuts off the branches. Well, you know what? Uh, he doesn't kill the vine. You know, in other words, there's things in your life God wants to prune. There's things that he says to you. You know, uh, you've done this and you've drawn, but you know what? It has not developed the way that it needs to. We need to prune it. We need to to cut it back just a little bit so that we can make it to grow. And how many know the Lord is involved in our lives today? And we have to trust him. You know, we have to say, Lord God, I don't understand it. Today, the message that the Lord has given me is, is I think it's a powerful message, and I think we can all glean from it. But, you know, we have to believe that God is able. He said, without faith, it is impossible to please me. We can look in Matthew 25, and he says, uh, he said, I will come and I'll separate the goats from the sheep. And he said, because the sheep will have done good works. They will have clothed the poor and fed the the, the hungry, they, they will have uh, visited the prisoners in jail, and, and they will have uh, helped the poor, you know, and all the different things. I, the, if you read Matthew 25, he says, and he said, if you'd, you've done this unto me. And they said, well, when have we done these things? And, and the Lord says, when you've done it to one of these little ones, my brethren. What's that tell me? He's got brethren in jail. You know, sometimes we can get high and mighty and think, well, thank God I'm not in jail. Thank God I'm not like one of those. You know, remember the one who prayed? He said, I've paid my tithe. I've done this. I'm not like one of those. And another one came to the altar and threw himself on the altar and said, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. He said, which one of them have received anything of me? You know, and that's what we've got to understand. God said, I didn't take them out of the world, but I sent them into the world. I sent them into the world as sheep among a carnivorous wolf. 
I've sent them into the world. He said, but I tell you this, not one hair will be hurt, will, will be taken from them. He said, I will protect them, says the Lord. I will raise up a standard and a shield against the enemy that is ravenous. If the enemy had his way, he would crush this church today. If he had his way, he would kill you today. But God said, I preserved you for such a day as this. He says, don't be alarmed at what you see. Don't be alarmed because the Lord said, I am with you. The fact that we're here this morning means that God's not done yet with this earth. He said, I will come quickly. And we say, how quickly? He said, in the twinkling of an eye. Somebody measured that, and it was like one hundredth of a millionth of a second or something ridiculous. In other words, instant. He's going to come. And he said, I will come upon those in unawares. Amen. In other words, he says, have your oil ready. Be doing the work of the Lord. And I'll tell you, we need to revamp this whole ministry, I really believe, because it's not about having church. It's not about the song service. It's not about that. What it's about is, are we meeting the needs of his brethren? Are we saying, Lord, what can I do today? And he set the bar very low. And he said, you know what, if you'll just step out in faith, if you'll just do uh, in faith, uh, he said, my word will not come back unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I sent it to do. We overthink things, and they call it, we, what we do is we analyze, uh, analysis to paralysis. We, we think about things. I've known people that have meetings to have meetings. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday on the radio, we said, we've got a drug program. Huh? Jeremy's looking at me, hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, I guess we do. <laughs> I suppose we could have ten meetings on it, but why don't we just do it? Amen? Why don't we just do it? Jump in all both feet. He said, we've become a peculiar people. If somebody comes and has need, we are, the Bible says to have an answer for everyone. In other words, the Holy Ghost in power. Am I, am I doing all right here? The Bible says, take no thought for what you shall say, for the Holy Ghost will give you the words that are needed, whether it's before magistrates high or whether it is before those who have need. And that's the thing we have. Lord, here I am. I'm available. And, and, and I, I will tell you this, uh, as we are available to the people, uh, Barbara called me. She said, you know, we've got to go through all these rooms and start setting them up. We need to begin to name them according to maybe a ministry. Uh, you know, there's a lot here. This is a beautiful place for 20 years inhabited by a daycare, which, you know, I believe was taking the meat off the king's table and feeding the church to keep it alive because he had a plan, but it wasn't yet. He said, now the bird's not coming anymore. <laughs> he said, all that is dried up. The brook is dried up. It's time for you to go and face Jezebel. You've been hiding from her long enough. It's time now to go 
and to face the enemy. Amen? Oh, Lord. Well, God is good. It's, it's good to see every one of you here today. And we just want to thank God. You know, when you sit in a seat, you occupy. When you stand up, you give it a, you're ready to act. And he said, I see him standing. I see him not sitting, but I see him standing, ready to act. I want you to know we have a powerful God. We have a powerful God. We have a powerful God. We have a God that is in control of everything. He is not weak, and his hand is not shortened, that he cannot touch the infirmities of his people. Hallelujah. He's not weak, and his hand is not shortened. His ears not stopped, that he cannot hear the cries of his people. He is in total control today. Do you believe that? The Democrats aren't in control. He is in total control. He is in total control today. Can you say that? He's in total control today. We don't need to fret the things that are going on because God's in control. The world would want to stir you up. My sister Pam called my mom last night. She's very... My, my sister, she doesn't really talk or, you know, we don't hear from her. I mean, she likes, you know, that family member that disappears all the time. And then you got to go dig them up and see what's going on. And, and she, she, she's got COVID. And they're, you know, treating it with prednisone and I guess uh, a, a bunch of stuff. Um, but, but even she said, uh, if I'm saying it right, that the fear is probably the greatest of all of it. And that's exactly what the devil uses. His greatest weapon is fear. But the Bible said perfect love will cast out all fear. What does he say? What is the opposite of love? Is fear. It's not hate. Hate is just a, a reaction to fear. The opposite of love is fear. And, the, and God knows that. And that's why he said, the antidote for fear is my love. And my love comes because you trust me. Trust me, says the Lord. Trust me. I'm in total control. I'll have my will and I'll have my way. Amen. God is good all the time. It's good to be with everybody here on Facebook. It's good to be with everyone here at Harvest Hills Church. And in case uh, you haven't heard um, a word from the Lord, both from the church and to me personally, is that it's not my time to retire or to retreat, but it's a time to push forward and to go forward. So I'm here this week and probably and I believe for many weeks to come I don't want to say the word probably I don't know what that word means uh, but I'm here amen amen you know and this is in my introduction have you ever thought about the task that was put before Moses he had the responsibility of leading five million people 
projected, some say two and a half million uh, uh, adults and then, you know, children and all. So, you know, we'll, we'll stick with the five million. There's no exact number. Uh, maybe some theologian will try to prove me wrong on that, and that's fine. But about five million people out of Egypt. Moses had moments of doubt when he wondered, how am I ever going to pull this off? At least four times in Scripture we see this. In Exodus 3, uh, uh, Exodus 3, 11, it said, But Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? You see, that's a confirmation what Jeremy just spoke, because this is really what the, what the, the uh, sermon is about this morning. Who am I? Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Egypt or of Israel out of Egypt. Who am I? In Exodus 3.13, again, he said, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, God, uh, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? What shall I say? I mean, you know, I mean, maybe this is basic theology. He's saying, I, I don't even have basic theology here. I don't. What am I supposed to say? What if they ask? What if they ask me th your name? And then in Exodus four one, J Moses answered and said, "But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. <laughs> suppose they say, Lord." The Lord has not appeared unto you. What if they question your appearance to me? What if they say, you know what? You're, you, what you eat for supper? It got to your head and you had a weird dream. Surely you're delusional. Because that's what he's feeling. You know why he's feeling that way? Because he feels his humanity. How many of us feel our humanity? You know what I'm saying. And, and it's, it's the same. I know many times under the anointing of the Lord, I've felt supernatural power. I've felt power that is just, just raw supernatural power. And then Monday morning I wake up and I realize I'm Bob Bomir. You know, I think of one pastor and he preached on Jezebel. Man, he preached it down. He preached it down. Uh, he preached on Jezebel. And I'll tell you what, if there's any demons present, they were running. And the next morning, uh, he got a phone call, and his wife, he said, who was it? His wife said, it's Jezebel. <laughs> but, Lord, I don't feel the anointing right now. <laughs> Amen. Well, Moses is feeling all these things. And then Moses goes on in, in, in uh, Exodus 4.10. He said, then Moses said to the Lord, my Lord, I am not eloquent. I can't preach like pastor. I can't say the things that they say. I remember one pastor, um, brother, um, Pastor Libby up in Charleston, and he had these great, I'm telling you what, we, they've had some great speakers up there. And this one guy, Smalley, I believe, man, he had, he had a PowerPoint. I mean, it was dynamic. And then uh, Pastor Libby got up there and said, what's God need me for? <laughs> this stuff's a lot better than what I do on Sunday. But you know what? It isn't. It, there's always somebody better. 
There's always somebody that can run faster than you. There's always someone that may be able to sing better than you. But that doesn't disqualify you from obeying God. Amen. Stop measuring yourself by people and start measuring yourself by the love of God. The love of God is rich and pure. Amen. Oh, the love of God is measureless. In Mark eleven twenty three, it said, For assuredly I say unto you, Whosoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Well, that, those are powerful words. Now I want you to know something. They call Jesus the greatest teacher. And he was the greatest teacher. But don't tell me the, th the things he taught weren't, aren't relevant for today. Oh, I know, Pastor, but don't get carried away. Because we want to be normal Christians. You know what a normal Christian is? When they leave church, they look just like everybody else. We, we want to be normal. We want to keep, let's, let's keep things on a normal level. Let's not talk about speaking to mountains. You know, it, let, let's not go there. But Jesus went there. And he says, Assuredly, I say unto you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Now, now listen, is he telling us to go up to the White Mountains and move everything around? That would cause chaos, wouldn't it? But there are mountains in our own lives. And there are mountains in other people's lives. There are people out there that are desperate. They need someone to speak. Paul was desperate when he was smitten with blindness. And he said, go to a street called Straight. And he said, and my servant Ananias will pray for you and you'll receive your sight. How many know we need, we need Ananiases? We need people to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. Now, God could have just taken that blindness off, but he didn't. He delegated it. How many know he still delegates his authority? I've heard people say, well, if God wanted to do it, he'd just go and do it. No, he won't. In fact, the Bible said he goes to and fro in the world looking for those that will seek him and serve him. Looking for those that will stand. He's looking for Gideons today. He's looking for Joshua's today. He's looking for Moses's today. And when, we, when we, we look inside and we find all of our inadequacies and we go to the Father and we say, but Lord, you don't understand. You know what we're doing? We're trying to educate God. Have you ever, as a parent, had your children try to educate you? Doesn't feel good, does it? And you look at that whippersnapper and you say, wait just a minute. I, I love my son very much, and, and, and uh, I called him and told him I'm going to stay, and he said, Dad, for two weeks I've been in agony about this. He said, I knew you had to stay. <laughs> 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 
But when he was 16, he had his permit. And I was trying to teach me to drive. And what happened was, is in his inexperience, he, he'd get out in front of a logging truck. I grabbed the wheel, and we, we come to safety, and I said, you can get in the back now. I'm going to drive for a while. <laughs> well, he's sitting there, and he is really steaming. He, he's mad. And we saw a moose, and I said, look, Ben, look at the moose. He said, stupid moose. Stupid moose. I said, well, he said, you know something, Dad? He said, the only reason that you brought me on this vacation is to pay for your stinking vacation. <laughs> Put your hair back down. He was just mad because we made him pay $70 because <laughs> he was working, and I wanted to teach him responsibility. And I said, Ben, you're going to give $70 to this vacation. Now, you know a family vacation costs a lot more than $70. But if you ever had a child try to teach you, can you imagine how God feels when we're trying to tell him things? God, God I'm sure you don't understand this. But I have a speech problem. I'm sure you don't understand this, but how would they listen to little old me? If you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. You know what's happened? We've lost our strength. to speak and God is in his time to get your voice back I look at the drug rehab program so much counseling Barbara's saying there's one program that they, they do of counseling but they push a box in am I saying it right shoeboxing yeah whatever it is you know why they push that? Because they're taking Jesus out. They need to put something else in. Because even they know counseling alone doesn't work. So when you take God out of the equation, you've got to add something. And that's what they do, Barbara. We need to put Jesus back into the equation. There's nothing wrong with counseling. I've gone to counseling. Sometimes a counselor can help you to understand why you feel the way you do. But the answers always come from you, never the counselor. All they're doing is facilitating and helping you to sort out your problems, but they're a good counselor. You know, they, they will help you to get to the point that you need to get to. You know, maybe, you know, maybe daddy wasn't so good to me. <laughs> And then you walk out of the counselor's office like you just come out of a porn shop. You don't want anybody to see you. Not that I've ever come out of that, but I'm just, just saying what it might be, embarrassment. Because you feel naked, you feel undone. But what you need to understand and realize is that counseling may have a place, but without Jesus, it's, it's vain. It's meaningless. Without Jesus, there's no hope. If there's no hope, then what's the sense? 
what makes the difference if I'm addicted to, to uh, fentanyl or not? If my life has no purpose but to drift through, maybe what I'm doing is the best way. When I think of the pain that I have to endure in going through this process of, of, of rehabilitation, and, and, and I see the pain of it, I have to ask myself, what is the purpose? Well, there is no purpose. Then why do I suffer? If I have no point and I have no purpose, then what makes what you do better than what I do? You see, that's what happens when we take Jesus out of the equation. But when we see Jesus and we see his authority, and we see his absolute, and we say, I want to be like him. Jeremy had to write a little thing for the class in counseling. And you know counseling has benefits. But if you remove the purpose, why suffer? Right? But in the class, they told him, they said, we want to ask you, you know, what is it that you strive for? And Jeremy said, to be like Jesus. And she failed him. And the reason she failed him is, and you didn't say anything. You didn't say anything. Because you didn't say who this Jesus is you want to be like. So really it gave him opportunity to begin to talk about Jesus. And she allowed him to get up and, and, and do that in the class. Isn't that wonderful? Because sometimes as Christians we learn little cliches that really don't have any meaning if there's no definition behind it. We can sing, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, all I ask is to be like Him. All through life's journey, from earth to glory, all I ask is to be like Him. Who is He? Well, I read 33 chapters in the Bible. Who is He? Yes, you're right, Doria. It is Jesus. Well, I've got these $14 glasses. I didn't realize you can get them for a dollar, so I paid too much. These must be the upgrade of the Chinese dollar store glasses. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Should have got the $15 ones. <laughs> Amen. So what we see here is God's promise to his people. And I need to go on here. Exodus 3, 7 through 8, it said, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people 
who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry. In other words, it's not about you, Moses. <laughs> Stop making it about you. It's not about you. Because of their taskmaster, for I know their sorrow. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the termites. No. <laughs> what he's saying is, is I want you to know, I'm going to lead you into a larger land. But I want you to know up front, there's problems there too. <laughs> well, if it was the Lord, it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> he said, I just haven't told them yet. <laughs> He says, so when you get to the apartment, knock on the door and tell them to get. Because God gave it to you. They won't take it kindly. <laughs> but you have to trust me. Oh, Lord. The promise. In John 10.10, 10, it said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Did you hear what I just said? I have come that they might have life and they may have it more abundantly. You see, God's called you Moses. Moseses. And says, so stop looking at your weakness and start looking at my strength because I have come to bring abundance to the people. And I want you to deliver it. Amen. I'm going to get some real glasses next week. In 2 Samuel 23.5, it says, now, uh, yeah, let, let's go back first to Deuteronomy. Well, did I do Deuteronomy? The Deuteronomy 30 and 9. He said, And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand. And the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the fruit of thy land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good. And he rejoiced over as he rejoiced over thy fathers. In Second Samuel 23, 5, he says, for, for your salvation and desire, all, he says this, he said, Although my house be not so with God, think about this, Yet he hath made me an everlasting covenant. He's ordered all the things, and sure, for this is all my salvation. And I will desire, although he makes it not to grow. And I was thinking about that, and I went to Poole's commentary. And this is what he says about it. He says that he might humble thee by keeping thee in a constant dependence upon him for every day. Now, I, I want to make sure I'm not out of order here. Uh, 
And what we realize in that, and I'm going to go back here just a minute. Now, what I think I've done is I've cut and pasted it in the wrong place. You ever do that? Yes. I'm going to hold on to that thought just for a second. But he said, the work of your hands. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work. And then he goes to 2 Samuel 23, 5. Just bear with me for a minute. And he says, all your salvation desire, although my house be not so with God. And this is what Hall's commentary says about this. He said, although I have not in every point been answerable to that which God hath required of me. You see, many times we, we, we take ourselves out because we see a flaw. We eliminate ourselves from because we see a flaw. I'm going to tell you this right now. God knows every flaw. He knows the flaw you don't know yet. I told you when I was a young man and called into pastor. I've been pastoring for 33 years. Looks like a lot longer now going to go. But one thing he said to me, he says, you don't qualify to be a pastor. And I said, why is that? He said, because God can't use a fat man. Well, I'd had a little extra on me, no doubt. Thank God God used this fat man. <laughs> and what he is saying, though my house wasn't completely in order, though there were flaws, though there was things that I'm struggling with, his covenant is everlasting. He says to the Israelites, said, I did not bring you back into the land because of any good that is in you, but because of the covenant I made with your fathers. Some people look at Israel and they say, you know what, they're not perfect. Most of them are rejecting Jesus and all that. But God said, they're my people. God said, I'll raise up who I will and I'll put down who I will. And you keep your mouth shut and follow me. I'm just paraphrasing you got those that are anti-Semite. you got those that have replacement theology. And they believe that Israel has been replaced by the church. Uh, uh, the Mormons believe that they are the new Israel, uh, the new Jerusalem. They believe that they've come out of Europe and they've gone down there uh, to Utah and they've created a new kingdom where the Lord will reign. But it is not true doctrine there is no replacement theology Israel is important to him and he said he will come and when he puts his foot on the Mount of Olives he, uh, and splits it into the people are going to bow before him in Israel and say the one that we rejected is the true Messiah how I many know God's in control Somebody may find flaws in your life. They may find things to say, well, you're, you're a fat man, you can't preach. You're a woman, you can't speak in public. <laughs> Thank God for Deborah, who led the armies of Israel. Thank God for Esther that stayed in the courts all night and risked her life. 
Thank God for Ruth, who followed Naomi and became the grandmother of David and eventually to Jesus. Thank God for Mary and Martha, who at the grave received from the Lord and ran back and, and, and spread that very news that was given to them. You see, the devil wants to use whatever he can to eliminate your voice. But let me read it again. All your salvation and desire, although my house be not so with God. My house isn't perfect. It isn't ready. It isn't where it ought to be. Let me tell you this. When you say, I'm going to wait until I am perfect, you'll wait until you get to heaven. And when you get there, God's going to look at you and say, oh, boy, you blew it. Because what did Moses say? I can't speak straight. Who am I that I would go? What am I going to say if they ask me questions? What if they tell me that I'm in delusion and that God never really spoke to me? I know none of you have ever had that problem. Unless you're human. In Job 8, 7, he said, Though thy blessings was small, yet the latter end should greatly increase. Now he was speaking to Job when he was still in the beginnings of his misery. He had a lot more chapters to go before he did see the increase. But God told him beforehand, he said, though your beginning is small, yet your end, your latter end, should greatly increase. In other words, we have to trust him. You trust him today? In Deuteronomy 8, 6, it says, Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at the latter end? Poole's commentary. Now I'm getting to where I needed to be there. He said, That he might humble thee by keeping thee in constant dependence upon him for every day's food, and convincing thee what an impotent, helpless, beggarly creature you really are. <laughs> He's really building us up, isn't he? Having nothing whereon. To subsist, but from the hand to mouth by, by being supported wholly by the arms of divine godliness. <laughs> wow. That's what the manna was all about. And sometimes the things that you want to happen don't happen because God said you need to depend wholly upon me. The Bible says it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom. I know some rich people. And I know that they're in the kingdom. But the way they got there was by giving everything. You know, when, you're, when God can trust you with little, he'll give you much. I think of 
Ralph Rogers, he's a mentor to me. He's 89 years old in the hospital. Please pray for him. He's, he's, uh, he's got uh, congestive heart failure, and his kidneys are beginning to fail because of the drugs to work on his heart, you know how that goes. But Ralph, and many of you know him because Barbara asked me, what is Emmaus Teams? Emmaus Teams, I'm one of the four board members on Emmaus Teams. And Emmaus Teams is about encouraging people into ministry. To look at the Great Commission and say, you can do it. And Emmaus Teams wants to partner with us here. Ralph told me, he said, you know, I said to Ralph, I said this, I said, you know, since I began this journey, you know, of, of where what should happen with the church or, or what have you, you've done nothing but give. He sent me $5,000 more than once because he said I like to give because I know when I give, I get. He's blessed me. He's helped me to survive. And I said, Ralph, I've been blinded. And I said, you know what? And, and, and he said to me, he says, Bob, he said, that's just a journey. We all go on these journeys. But he said, they're good to learn from. But he said, I know for a fact that you're not done there. I know for a fact that we're going to use, we're going to see this property go forth and be used for the glory of God in this end time. Ralph gave all of his money. I don't mean to go on too much, but he was told by the Lord to give his business away. His pastor, he told his pastor, he said, I heard an audible voice. He said, I was a Presbyterian. I was a normal Christian. Riding in an airplane, and all of a sudden heard an audible voice and give your business away. He said, I looked around and, and, and couldn't see that anybody spoke. And later he said, I heard it again. I went to my pastor, and my pastor said, I have a friend who's a psychiatrist. Maybe you're in the beginnings of, of uh, schizophrenia. <laughs> because normal Christians don't hear things like that. I'm adding a little bit. So he went to the psychiatrist friend, and the psychiatrist friend met with him like three times, and he said to him, he said, Ralph, I see nothing wrong with you, and I see nothing wrong with what you're hearing. He said, it's not against God's word. It's not. He said, you need to act upon what you think is right. And Ralph gave his business away. And he said, I want you to know when I gave my business away, it wasn't like we were immediately in blast. He said, we didn't have diapers for the kids. <laughs> he said, we were lacking food. <laughs> we went through a hard time. And he said, don't think for a minute that, that I didn't second guess. But to date, he's given over $10 million away through the Protein Foundation. A given. Who am I? Who am I? In the anointed commentary on that scripture, it says, At thy latter end, the design of all God's dealings with his people is their final good. 
all of God's dealings with his people is for their final good. In Psalm 71, 21, it said, Your greatness, it says, Thou shalt increase the, my greatness and comfort me on every side. God brings enlightenment to his people. Your local newspaper may tell you what's going on, but God's word tells you why. I say it again. Your local newspaper might tell you what's going on, but my word tells you why. Why? In Proverbs 9, 9, it says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in his learning. In Ephesians 1, 18, it said, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what is the riches of his glory, of his inheritance, to the saints. Are you blessed today? Many Christians today have been blinded from the goodness and the power of God by looking too close at circumstances. We're looking too close at circumstances instead of the promise. In John 5, 20, it says, And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true, and we, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. That we may know the Son. Remember we talked about earlier how the, uh, Jeremy had written the things and I want to be like him. And the teacher flunked him. And you might think, well, that means she's anti-Christ. No, she said, that is just a cliche. Who is he? I think every Christian should be asked that. Who is this God that you serve? My sister-in-law yesterday asked my wife, I guess my father-in-law had a Buddha. Uh, you know, he, he weighs about 20 pounds. And he's solid. Probably worth hundreds of dollars. My father-in-law got that when he was in, during the war in Japan. They're probably worth a lot of money. And she says, my wife, Debbie, she said, do you want this Buddha? She said, I wouldn't take the gift of it. Well, I'll take him. I hope she keeps good care of the Buddha so he don't get lost. Poor little Buddha. <laughs> you see how silly these gods are? They need our constant care. They need to be set on the shelf. They need to be carried on an airplane. And they're heavy. It's going to weigh down the luggage. Poor Buddha. But my God is an everlasting God. My God doesn't need to get on an airplane because he's already where you're going. And yet he's still where you came from. 
He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Omniscient. He's all-knowing. In Isaiah 29, 19, it says, And the meek also shall increase with their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. In Matthew 25 and 23, verse 23, it says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you the ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Your position and purpose on this earth is to be faithful. Every one of those that he received had, had given and had been part of the harvest. God does not give to those who have not. Of course, initially in the beginning, he may give you, the, he may give you a talent. But he expects that talent to grow. I know that in welfare, the less you have, the more they give you. But it's not how it works in the kingdom of God. The less you have, the less you'll get. Why? Because God said there's no excuse. My power, my power will produce if you'll release it, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. He said, I'll make you an oasis and a dry and a barren place. I will make you the wells that Isaac dug in, in, in the desert. You see, Isaac created an economy because in a desert with no water you die, but with water you can build a city. And Luke 17, 5 said, Your faith, and the apostle said, unto, unto, the, unto the Lord increase our faith. In Romans 1, 17, he said this, is For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. What is faith? I think Hebrews 11.1 uh, kind of sums that up. He said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that you don't even see yet. That's why I felt confident yesterday to say, we've got a drug program. <laughs> I'm only going by the scripture. But you can't say that. Yes, I can. We've got couches. We're ready. <laughs> oh, these glasses. In Romans 12, 6, that having then gifts different according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion of faith. In other words, according to your faith. According to your faith. 
And what you're saying is according to my ability. That's not what the Bible says. He said, according to your faith. If you've got the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall send to this mountain, move down hither, and it shall be done. He said, you shall say to the sycamine tree, be plucked up from the road and cast into the sea. Whew. Don't get carried away, Pastor. Well, you know, when I get into the word, I get carried away because I, I, I read what it says and it excites me. Does it excite you? But you don't understand, Pastor. I was listening to Fox News last night. It's over now. I got a new song was saying, it's over now. <laughs> I am determined, I've made up my mind. I'll serve the Lord. Hallelujah. I've left this world and its cares behind. I know I didn't say that right. I'll serve the Lord. I'll follow wherever he leads me. I'll serve him wherever he needs me. I am determined. I've made up my mind. I'll serve the Lord. You know why the Salvation Army exists today? Because General Booth was not normal. He took his church people out. He gave them drums and musical instruments, and they just walked all over the city. I'm going to walk all around this city where my loved ones have gone on before. I'm going to sit on the banks of that river. Oh, Pastor, we, just leave me alone. I, I, I want to be normal. <laughs> What's normal? Remember what the Israelites said? They wanted to be normal. They said, we want a king. Samuel says, yeah, but if you, if you have a king, he's going to take what you have. He's going to tax you. Huh. He's going to send his messages out to get what you have and bring it to him. We don't care. We want to be like everybody else. We want to be normal. <laughs> well, I'm getting off here. I'm almost done. I only got three more pages. <laughs> but, you know, through this whole process, first of all, uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 9 and 10, it says, uh, 9 and verse 10, it says, The fruit of your righteousness, now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. What is he saying? He said, if you throw down a little bit of seed, he said, not only will that plant grow, but it will produce seed of itself. And not only will it produce seed of itself, but the fruit of it will make bread. In Colossians 
2.19, we see spiritual growth. You can go there later. In Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians uh, 3.12, in love one of another. Boy, that's a one it is necessary. But I need to hurry on here. Fields and vineyards overrun. I want to talk about testing. You're going to hear this. Listen. In Judges 2, 21 and through 23, says, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel. Whether they keep my ways of the, the keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their father kept them not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately. And did he deliver them under the uh, even though he delivered them under the or he didn't deliver them under the hand of Joshua. There we go. What is he saying here? The scripture brings me back to 9-11. In this country, all the things that have happened since. We have to ask ourselves, will we fade or will we keep our eyes on the Lord who can deliver us? He said that to Israel. He said, Israel, I'm going to allow some of the enemies to breach you. Oh, God wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm going to allow things to happen to test you. To whether or not you'll keep your eyes on me and trust me or whether you will fall prey to the circumstances. Wow. Wow. How many know God's in control? How many know God with his mighty wand could take the Democratic Party out. But sometimes he uses that to try his people. Do you love me? Do you trust me? Would you serve me? Even if I allow a breach, even if I allow those nations that Joshua refused to deal with the Muslim faith all the things that we're allowing to, to breach God calls it a curse oh don't get don't go through their past that's not politically correct but what we realize in this, in Proverbs 17, 3, it said, The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. In 1 Peter 1, 7, it said, That the uh, genuineness of your faith being made much more precious than gold that perisheth, Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow. Am I walking around glum? 
Or am I walking around with the joy of the Lord? He said, the, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's nothing to do with the flesh. It's everything to do with your soul. The soul occupies the kingdom. And the kingdom is not meat or drink. It is nothing that, that, will, that will preserve your flesh. But it's everything to give you righteousness, right standing with God, peace that passeth understanding. Peace I give you, the world does not give you. And joy unspeakable and full of glory. We're not a people that need to be glum about anything. We need to say, Lord, I trust you. You lift up who you will and you put down who you will. And who am I to question you? In Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass me. How many have ever said that, even in our politics? We've said, God, if it be possible, let this bitter cup pass from me. But yet, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I'm submitted to you, Lord Jesus. I'm in this thing for the long haul. The Bible said, He that endureth unto the end shall find that salvation, shall find that place in God. We have to be an enduring people. We have to be a committed people. We've got to keep our eyes on the kingdom of God or the devil's going to steal our joy. I don't want to be a, a miserable Christian. Oh, there's people who complain. God hates complaining. I'm telling you this. God hates complaining. He hates it with a passion. Because when we complain, we're really saying God's not in control. We're really saying my circumstances are greater than God's ability. God's trying to wake the church up. He's trying to tell you that we, we can't be normal anymore. We have an epidemic out there. People are dying every day. Uh, uh, Jeremy, he lost two friends in one week to fentanyl. And there's so much of the, that dying. There's so many people dying, they don't even put it in the news. And the fact of it is, is there is a war. There is blood running down these streets. There are families that are broken. There are, there are uh, people that are, are hurting. And we need to stand and say, Lord, here am I. If they reject me, it's because they reject you, Lord. Help me, Father, to see beyond my own self. Help me, Lord God, when I come with an excuse that I can't speak straight. I don't have any influence in this world. What will they say when I come? What if they question me? What authority do I have? 
I love what he said when he, he asked about Pharaoh. So what am I going to say to Pharaoh? And we all know what he told him to tell him. You just tell him I am that I am. Hmm. It's awful short there. <laughs> don't I need a couple of seminary lessons? Don't, don't, don't I need to take some courses? For 40 years, I've been on this backside of a desert, and all I've seen was sheep. I smell like a sheep. I haven't had a bath in two months out here with these sheep. And I see this bush that's burning, but it's not consumed. What do I do with all of this? God is saying, I'm, I'm here. He said, you're not consumed. And I've called you for such a day as this to stand and proclaim the goodness and the power of God and to believe with all of your heart that when you speak to the demons, they will obey you because I have overcome them. Though my house isn't perfectly in order, yet, by his covenant, he's called me. He doesn't give any excuse because he will deal with your disorder. But God is saying, don't eliminate yourself. As I didn't allow Moses to eliminate himself, I'm not going to allow you to eliminate yourself. Let's all stand if we would. Inch by inch. Little by little. We take one step. I, I like that. Remember, I mean, I was old enough to watch them step on the moon for the first time. How many watched that? One small step for man. One big step for mankind. You remember those words? On that little TV you probably had, and may maybe it was color. There was some color then with three little knobs. You had to mix your own colors. I think the largest one was like a little 19-inch. Uh, and you'd be huddled around then and watch. And that's what Jesus said. You can learn from that. One small step from man. One big step for mankind. <laughs> oh boy. God is good. He's wonderful. Let, let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Father, that you're so faithful to us. We thank you, Lord, that you love us when we feel unlovable. We thank you that you're committed to us when we feel unworthy of your commitment. We thank you, Lord God, that you send us even though we have flaws or even though we feel undone. We thank you, God, from the foundations of the earth that you, that you chose us. We thank you that the kingdom was prepared for us before the earth was formed. 
We thank you for the promises of God. We thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us, but Lord, you're with us always and you will be all the way to the end of this life and the beginning of eternal life. We thank you, God, that you stand outside of all that is in the universe. And if we could just examine the universe, it would be mind-boggling and, 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 and too much to fathom. Could you imagine that you stand outside of that? Just how vast and great you are. God, help us to see. As Elijah's servant, help us to see the host of angels and chariots about us. Help us to see... Lord God, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Help me, Lord God, to see the possibilities that are in you and that we would trust you in this last day. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So be it. And God bless you all.